Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm just going to put this out there. I'm going to say it because someone asked to. Gay men, all of them, actually, all gay men, there's only 12, it doesn't matter, all gay men have terrible taste in dogs. There you go, I said it. Have you seen them? Listen, I know it's a well-known fact that Marys are supposed to be leaders in many a field. Skincare, yes. Music, okay, fine. Fashion, not a great example. But dogs, next time you walk past a Mary, have a look at their Frenchie. What an ugly fucking thing. Also, those tiny ones with the tiny ears that look a bit like an angry Danny DeVito. No, thank you. Honestly, give me a lesbian cat any day of the week. Give me a trans rabbit. Give me a non-binary unicorn. Yes, please. But a gay, ugly dog. No, thank you. I'm sorry to let you know that I've just just found out at the time of recording that I'm really excellent, actually. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm so great. You are so lucky to know me. And do you know what? Actually, I'm quite envious of you lot because I've never actually got to meet me. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How are you? Welcome back to the most profound 14 minutes of your life. Not of my life, of your life, okay? Because I've actually lived a life. I'm not just sat at home waiting for another one of these like you lot, okay? (laughs) I am me. You are you. I mean, that's a bold statement for some of you, to be fair. It's it's not a given, is it, on the day-to-day? And those lot over there, hello, yes, I'm looking at you, shuffling bits of fucking paper and cutting up bits of old cassette tape, pretending that they're doing some editing, some producing. Oh, I... I can see you. I can see you, Debbie. Stop. Debbie, stop. Oh, she's playing with her areola. That's the name of a new guinea pig, by the way. Stop it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm in a fab mood. 
<laughs> makes a change, doesn't it, from this usual depressing, dull podcast. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to our friends in Singapore, New Zealand, Germany, Australia, and the UK, where we've been trending all week. Oh, it's very hard being us over here, isn't it, everybody? Well done. Round of applause to us. Now, listen, before we go on, a bit of serious mummy voice time. The world this week has felt yet again like it's fraying. And I mean, in more ways than one, right? And we might acknowledge what's happening. We might not. It might not get mentioned. I mean, it's your show after all. You bring to the table what you want to talk about. But I just guess I wanted to place a message here to acknowledge, but also to sort of hold on to the fact that we're here together. And maybe we could take some solace from that. Anyway. Coming up on today's show, I've been told that the carer gets in with the wrong crowd. <gasps> but before that, hallows this week. Oh, I mean, I say there's hallows. They're definitely not. They're mainly complaints. <laughs> complaints, RE, Slippergate. Do you remember last week at the top of the show, I, I disclosed my feelings on slippers? Well, apparently, my feelings are none and void because Dublin's very own Louise McSharry, love you, um, says, You clearly need to check your warm privilege, my friend. <sighs> Fine. Fine. Ant in Bristol goes on to say, I'm deeply hurt. (laughs) I'm deeply hurt by this as a slipper and croc wearer. Oh my God, can you imagine how clammy Ant's feet are? Clammy feet. Oh, the worst. Could you imagine clammy feet getting into bed with you? No, thank you. And Karen has sent us a picture via Instagram. Why are we letting people send me fucking pictures via Instagram, Kat? Stop that all at once, please. I don't want to be accessible to the public. Karen sent us a picture of their slippers that are apparently clean. Fine. I tell you what, when I looked at this picture, all I could actually look at was the fact that there were two coat hangers shoved behind the radiator. And I thought, (laughs) I'm my mother looking around people's houses. (laughs) Because if my mother left that house, my mum would be like, did you see one had the coat hangers behind? Tartin. Fire hazard, I think you'll find Karen. So please sort that out before next week. If you would like to say hello or complain like the rest of these ungrateful beslippered dickheads, all you've got to do is join us over on the social medias. Search After the Tone podcast. Right, that's enough of this business. Let's get on to actual business, okay? Debbie, press play. Hello, hello to dearest producer Deb. Tim, Maya, Cat, and of course Scotty. It is the 2am gym goer. It is 7.49pm. And I am not in the gym. I am going to go at some point tonight. But I thought I would talk now while I'm having a coherent brain think. I am a person who is a, a she-they. Thank you. Not particularly enthused about the she, but I look like one, or what people think one is, so I guess it's fine for now. And I am a person who identifies as queer and asexual, meaning I like everyone, but please don't bring your genitals anywhere near me, unless you are one of like three specific exact people in my entire 26 years who I've actually wanted to have sex with. Yeah, it's it's a very rare occurrence, very, very rare occurrence for me. And I have felt shamed about this. I felt shame as a teenager. I've known since I was like 13. Definitely was influenced by the Christian upbringing, but how much of that was influenced by that and how would my sexuality present if I didn't have this very strict kind of rule-following personality at that age? Who knows? But what I know is I 
don't want it and that's okay actually and the people who made me feel like it was least okay were actually my sex having non-christian friends i felt the most shamed by the people who were having sex and just could not comprehend how i could possibly not want it bearing in mind at the time they were all cis female teenagers in straight relationships identifying as fully straight and now they're all queer <laughs> they're all queer they're all in gay relationships i, I just i know that people can change but I feel a little bit sort of slighted in a way, I guess, that they can have this massive shift and not turn around to me and be like, oh, by the way, sorry I treated you like shit because you decided to open up to me and tell me about your feelings about these things. Um, it's difficult to navigate when there is so much shame attached to everything and people can't just ask questions and have conversations and learn. So I'm really grateful for this space where we can do that. And a space where actually like my position has been identified as a thing that people don't know about and would like to hear more about. Oh, hello, friend. Lovely to have you back in the room. The 2am to go everyone give them a round of applause, please. Thank you. Lovely. Wow. So much to pick up here. But first off, let's just have a little shout out to the A's in the house. Because I think it is often, you know... There are certain members of the community who have got used to saying the acronym without really knowing the meaning behind the full acronym. And that's no shame or shade because it just means that we live in a time where the educations that many of us were given around sex and sexuality and the ignorance many people live with, <laughs> to be fair. So, yeah, just wanted to do a little acknowledgement to the A's because I know there's a cohort of A's. What do you call the collective noun of A's? Oh, that'd be good. Let us know. Um, Answers on the postcard or just call up. So I wanted to start with there and the complicated relationship with pronouning, right? I hear you. I hear you. I'm just going to do it again. I hear you. And in this space, you can be whatever you want to be. I mean, people should know that by now. Sexuality and religion. Oh, yeah. So much of my, I think... (laughs) desire, I think has been formulated by, shall we call, Catholic prohibition. Someone once said to me in a nightclub, a cork guy, it was from CAC, and he said to me when I was about 18, 19, and I was like, oh my God, you know, we're talking about Catholic shame, as you do when you get, <laughs> when you get surrounded by other Catholics or recovering Catholics. And he was he just leant in and he went, yeah, but it feels great, doesn't it? <laughs> And this idea of reframing shame as kind of like being useful for thinking like, oh, Jesus, I'm doing something wrong. And that's a very specific thing. And But yeah, I do think, you know, I have the word shame tattooed on one of my sleeves because uh, it lives with you and it sticks with you. But And trying to reframe it and get beyond it is, is a difficult thing. I think when the norms, we'll call them the norms, and I don't mean that as a um, compliment, when they encounter people with different sex drives or people who are demisexual or people who are asexual or people who are less sexual, I think there is this weird conversation which is a bit like, why? How can you not? And it's a bit like, well, it's none of your fucking business, actually. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like if you were taking concern with, like, how many times do you shit a day? Well, you mean you don't shit four times a day? <laughs> it's such a, it's like a function of somebody's body and somebody else's desire. What has it an effect on you? None. Zero. 
Okay. This idea of feeling robbed, I really hear this. And I often talk about this, about when, you know, you wake up really early some Saturday, well, I'm revealing myself here. I wake up early some Saturday mornings and I think, I wonder what ever happened to. And I look at these kids who essentially were quite prolific bullies in my childhood on holiday, loving life. And I feel robbed. And I feel so annoyed that I'm like, why aren't they repenting? Why aren't they sorry for the hell they put me through? And the only thing that I can take solace from it is that they didn't understand. Like those fleeting moments for them are just not part of their consciousness. They don't remember it. It's not something that they hold on to. But for us, they're so profound. They're so shaping that they stick with us and they stick to us. Hi Scotty, hi to all the team, hi to everyone in the room, how you all doing? <clears throat> Fran here, just pacing up and down on a platform in the pissing rain and listening to the pod and I just had to pause. I think the conversation is really interesting um, at the minute and I sort of feel like I don't know how much I can contribute as like a straight boring person I guess. Um, but I definitely really resonated with the whole thing of not feeling equipped to being in a relationship. I regularly don't feel equipped to be in a relationship, and yet I am in one. And I think I really agree with what you're saying, Scotty. Like, how do you ever become equipped? It is all trial and error, and everyone is just sort of winging it, and you do just have to do your best. And I, I guess, for me, as long as you're not, it's not, impacting you negatively to be in a relationship and obviously you care about the person and you're being kind and as nice as you can be then it is a learning curve like every relationship is a learning curve every relationship is different and I guess the hope is that you're if you choose to be in a relationship whether you feel 100% ready or not it's with someone that has some patience and cares enough about you to understand that like there are going to be times that you just feel really overwhelmed and you don't really know how to deal with it. I guess what I'm saying is I'm in a really happy relationship, but I still occasionally have these like moments of freak out where I'm like, God, I can't do this, it's too much. And I think everyone's just a bit too hard on themselves sometimes with that stuff. Like you're just trying to do your best and everyone deserves to be happy, whether that's with a partner or not. In life, we always feel like we have to be the best at everything and be able to do everything and be 100% competent and all of that shit. But actually... That's not like real life, is it? Like, it's a bit messy. We we mess up. It's all like learning curves and all of that. Hi, Fran. Lovely to have you back, hun. Gorgeous. Um, Yeah, what I was thinking about from this message is about this idea that's kind of, you mentioned it in your message, but it kind of knocks about the internet at the moment. It's this idea of being kind. Be kind. Be kind. And um, it sometimes sits in the sort of love is love world for me. You know, like, everybody just get along. When uh, I always have complicated feelings about this because with the be kind message, of course, I think it starts a conversation. It gets people talking about being kind to each other. You would have thought this was a given in society, but apparently not. But it sort of feels a little bit empty sometimes. And my relationship with this whole, like, be kind, love is love stuff, is that I just know at some point I will disappoint you. I know at some point you will hurt me. And it's the way that we rectify that which I think is the key. I think the way in which we navigate the bumps in the road 
is the Ribena concentrated juice. Do you know what I mean by that? That's the heart of it. That's the soul of it. And the rest of it, the be kind is just the dilution stuff. You know what I mean? Of course, it's lovely to be kind. Of course, love is love, all of that. But how we interact with each other in moments of crisis, I think is important. I've been thinking a lot about how we have relationships. We're constantly focused on this idea that they're forever. And they are going to be fixed. And once we're in them, we're in them forever. We can't imagine a world outside of them. And I think I'd like us to start to imagine a world with the ending. Like this could possibly end. This this isn't forever. I mean, if I was going to really extrapolate that, I'd say, you know, either we're going to break up or one of us will die. You know, <laughs> no one said this was going to be cheery. Okay, everyone. <laughs> Why do we try to live with this idea of permanence and put such pressure on relationships when we could really lean into how impertinent, impermanent, not not permanent, I don't fucking know, do I, it is, and enjoy it for the, the moment and be present within it rather than thinking, I have to panic about this for its entirety, enjoy it for however long it lasts. I also really loved the fact that you said you were a straight, boring person. Your words, not mine. <laughs> Hi, Scotty and Co. It is the <clears throat> jet lag jet setter um, responding to your lovely response to my voice note. I realised I didn't give kind of context as to why I was jet lagged and why I was travelling in the middle of a pandemic um it was a work trip so yeah much as i'd love to be like yeah i went on to a beautiful warm tropical island it was it was a work trip it was a fun work trip but yeah it was for work would not recommend traveling during a pandemic the amount of forms and random pcrs that happen it is yeah a bit of a bureaucratic shitemare anyway I just thought I'd update you on a new person that I was um, seeing. They ended it with me because they felt that we wanted different things and not, not wanting to pursue anything too seriously romantic. So that means in the last three months, I have not only been cheated on and broken up with, but I've also faced romantic projection, which I have to say hasn't, hasn't been great for the old... Uh, self-esteem but um I'm taking it as a sign to just like kick back and just kind of like chill and heal and give myself that time to just look after myself basically because I think I did move a bit fast I also realized that I moved a bit fast because I went to see a comedy queer cabaret show on the weekend and just spent the whole day like my eyes just turned into waterfalls, which was just so, I'm not a public crier, total respect for people that are, but I'm not. So that was a bit of a shocker. So I'm just like kicking back, taking time for myself and uh, big love to everyone on the pod. I hope you're all having a lush week and thanks again for creating a great podcast. Oh, hi, Han. Welcome back to the room, the jet lag. <laughs> I almost said jet slag. I'm so sorry if you heard. You could hear there was something going on in my brain saying, is it jet slag? Jet, jet slag, jet setter. So inappropriate, considering what you were calling about. The jet lag, jet setter, I think you'll find. Travel admin. 
It's a new thing. I haven't been away yet, but I'm I'm brewing one. <laughs> Sounds like I was thinking about dropping the kids off. No, I am sort of thinking about going away. I don't know. I feel a bit nervous about it. I know it's loud. It just feels scary. Anyway, you sound like a very grown-up person with all this. The new person ended it, but, you know, I'm going to have some time for growth. If it was me, I'd be like, fuck them. (laughs) And sometimes I think we should really acknowledge, fuck them, actually. (laughs) Because, I don't know about you, but in the end of relationships... I have previously, not anymore, because of course I'm fucking fooling myself. And I don't know if you've worked that out yet. I have thought, what have I done? Why wasn't I good enough? Why was I not enough? And I think I'm going to try and lean more into, fuck there! (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) Anyway, you sound far more grown up than me, so you should take your own advice. But thanks for the update. Hello, Scotty. Kerry. Thanks for your last few podcasts, everyone in the pub. You're amazing. I've got myself out of real dark places of late by listening to you lot. And then this week, I was just like, I've got to just send a message again straight away. Canadian Jay, is it? It is Jay, isn't it? The guy from Canada. Because I got really touched by that as well, because it suddenly reminded me of um, a great fucking experience I had with the anti-vax march what went on beginning of January just after Christmas you know what I mean because I live here in Pimlico in Victoria and I literally put Jesse on the lead and as I hit Victoria Street I was like what's going on there's loads of people about and it was just a bit like what's happening it, well obviously it was an anti-vax march because you started reading signs and straight away I was like you know what I've got to put my mask on because it was the homocron homocron resurgence moment and I looked to the right of me and I just felt this guy staring at me and he was staring at me and waving this sort of small sign where a sign and I looked up at the sign and the sign said real men don't wear masks (laughs) and I just lost the plot (laughs) my mind just popped because I went apart from fucking homocron and omocron and all the fucking deltacrons that statement in itself just tore my heart apart it really did so, it's not suppose I'm proud of doing what I mean I'm proud that what I didn't do because my instant reaction was literally about to run up and just bowl the cunt I was just like you cunt <laughs> but I just did it I started grabbing my crutch and going I'm a man in a mask. I'm a man in a mask. And he come rushed over to me. We went, you look like a fucking pussy. You pussy in a mask. Who do you think you are? <coughs> it went on. I was pleased that I kept it. That's all. And then the police arrived. Police rushed in. And then some, <coughs> some Karen out the crowd, who obviously was with them, because I could see a crowd behind him sort of rushed in and sort of grabbed him and went, leave it, he's not worth it. <laughs> but, you know what I mean, within all that trauma and I stood there and the police officer was like, please walk away. And I was like, wow. And I'm a sci-fi head. I love dystopian future madness. But suddenly I was there. I'm in the dystopian future. And I had to walk away. 
and breathe and chant Nam Myoho and go, wow. You know? It is a crazy fucking time. And I think our arrogance and ignorance is just showing. And I think we've said before, we overestimate ourselves. We think we're fucking so clever and we're not. If you can't stay strong, kick them in the fucking balls. Love you. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> no holes barred with that one, was it? Kara <laughs> really went there, didn't he? <laughs> now, there's so much I want to pick up in here, but what I really want to focus in on is I've been thinking a lot over the last few months how this sort of, like, community, if you will, of conspirators... Oh, no, Bill Gates want to put something in my arm. No, Dave, you're actually not that important. Okay, as important as you think you are living in your two up, two down in, I don't know, Stoke-on-Trent. I don't think Bill Gates is that interested in your movements. Oh, we've got to cover up the camera on my iPhone because the Illuminati. No, no, Karen. No one actually cares about what you're eating for your tea. I do, but I don't as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's... People have got this real heightened sense of themselves. The common denominator, what I'm seeing within all this sort of anti-vax, all these marches, all this sort of rebellion, quote-unquote, you know, not to give it a more interesting name than what it actually is, it's just spoilt men, is class. A lot of these men are like my uncle. They've been given the power of the internet, And it just seems to be that it is a lot of these marches that I see through town, a lot of documentation that I'm seeing online, I read it to be like very class, like working class communities. And so I think this does become a class issue. And I I guess the reason why I sit with that is like, well, does it become my responsibility, you know, as a working class artist and maker or whatever? Does it become our responsibility, those of us like holding that space? to start to, like, educate our own, if you know what I mean. I mean, I'm deeply problematic. What I'm sort of saying is, like, I'm debasing all conspiracy to working-class communities. That's not what I'm doing. But, I like, a very, in the UK, at least, very predominantly what I'm seeing on the streets, in the marches, etc. Because you've got to see what the other half are doing, right? To understand what your fight is, you've got to understand them. Um, so that's the question that I've been left in. The real interesting nugget here, right, is again about classed masculinity. Because that person holding up that sign, real men don't wear masks, right? It's so toxic because it comes from a place of misogyny, gender expectation, class masculinity, all this idea of being real, authentic, proper bloke. But your response wanting to bottle him is also that class masculinity, right? And um, it's that, I wrote a show about it called Bravado. Um, It's a book, you can find it available in shops right now. And it's about that, that is within all of us. And it's that that I'm really interesting. Those of us who grew up around working class masculinity, around the potential. I talk about it in my other show class, also available to buy, (laughs) about the capital 
that men own, working class men own, is often that of a threat and dominance, you know, like the real men wear masks sign. But the response I find really interesting because, you know, you caught yourself where you were like, I just wanted to go over there and bottle him. And yeah, it's it's complex. Oh, you've left me with lots of questions, lots of feelings and lots of thoughts. If any of this stirred to Julie Waters, you lot, you know what to do. And that feels like a wonderful time to have a bit of a breather. Still to come, a therapist has advice on endings. Is it okay to eat your tea on the couch? And someone thinks I'm getting a mank twang. <laughs> well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Oh, I can feel myself getting violent already. Now, <laughs> remember, without your calls, there is no show. So do with that information what you will. I mean, either you're, like, keeping me in work or you're giving me an holiday. So it makes no difference to me. <laughs> If you'd like to join in the chat, if you've got a question, if you'd like to respond to anything you've heard over this series, all you've got to do is open up the WhatsApp and send us a voice note to this number. 0788-200-3420. Also, remember, you can help keep this gaff going by heading over to patreon.com forward slash after the tone. And if you'd like to be a voiceless confession, then slide into my DMs on Instagram or Twitter. Tell us something you can't put your voice to, and I'll do the rest. Anyway, back to the rock face. Did you say rock face? To the hard face. Back to the... Oh, back to the fucking cliff. I don't know. Press play. Hello, it's Gemma. I can just see from my phone I haven't called in since October. That's ages. I'm a bit concerned of the twang that's in the room now. I'd like to know what's going on, really. So if you rewind to the beginning of this and you are (laughs) going off about something and then all of a sudden you say, scented candle, like you're from Manchester. Honestly, I'm in shock. (laughs) And I told you, don't you dare start talking like them. It's happening. I knew it. Told you. Anyway, I always wonder, people that aren't straight and married like me, their perception of this, because I know there's mixed reviews and mixed feelings about the uh, drag race. But my daughter is obsessed with drag queens and... She's been to like meet and greets where she's the only child. I went to school, uh, parents' evening, first parents' evening I've had in two years. And her teacher's young, and you could tell she's a bit alternative, like a bit sort of cooler. You know, she's not your standard teacher. And she said, Oh, I've had interesting chat with Freya about drag queens. I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I thought she might. And then the teaching assistant apparently pulled the teacher to one side. The teaching assistant's in her 50s or whatever and says, do you think that's appropriate that you are having that conversation with a child and also that that is going on at home? And the teacher turned around and said to her, well, she obviously watches it with her parents and her parents let her, so I don't see what the problem is. And I was really pleased and really proud. But at the same time, I was like, are you fucking serious? You know, I'm proud 
of what my seven-year-old chooses to be obsessed with when there's a lot of seven-year-olds just walk around with unicorns on their head you know and want to wear makeup just to look like a silly little girl rather than to express themselves and to celebrate all walks of life and I would just like to know what you all thought about children literally absorbing that whole world but I know I'm doing the right thing I know because she will tell her great granddad who is northern and you know homophobic I'm pretty sure um will tell him what untucked means tucked is when the willies are up the bum yeah and then untucked is afterwards when they get comfy that's what she says but also she's been having conversations at school about daddies and daddies can have babies and mummies and mummies can have babies and she's literally having arguments with people in the playground about this so you know I know that she's taken all the goodness out of it so yeah Anyway, love you. Bye. <laughs> what a fucking liberty coming in here. Tell me I'm fucking talking different. <laughs> now, long-time listeners will know that I actually do know this caller IRL. This is my friend Gemma who calls in from her car <laughs> in the home counties. The cheek, the absolute cheek of it. Because I remember when Gemma actually used to sound common, but now she sounds like a home counties housewife. <laughs> Like I said, I know Gemma, I can be evil. Okay, so first off, scented candle. (laughs) You're right, Debbie, if we rewind it, please, and if we could just play that bit from the other week. Here we go. I spent Sunday rearranging all my scented candles in alphabetical order. You're right. Maybe I'm picking up a bit of a twang. <laughs> I really liked you being like, don't start talking like them. It's such a thing. Like my mum, my mum, call me mum, my mum's like, oh, you've changed. <laughs> so what? Anyway, to the point we're all here for, which is drag race for kids. Now, I know that many of us in this space, as fully-fledged so-called adults, we have problems with it because... Capitalism, the misogyny, the transphobia, the things that the leader of that cult has said, etc., etc. Again, it's a bit like referencing what I've said about be kind, love is love. I'm sort of glad it exists for people like your child, but I just wish it was better for people like us. I think it could be so much more representative. It has the capability of doing way more. But RuPaul is a capitalist and and is a turbo capitalist and has said some deeply transphobic things in their time and some deeply misogynistic things as well. So it's always made me sort of buy out of it. I'd never wanted to contribute to it. I understand through the grapevine that the UK version has pushed more boundaries Apparently, I mean, I wouldn't call it a boundary pushing show if you've got a non-binary person present. I would just call that fucking doing your job, actually. But for your child, I love it. I love it. And I love, well, I I want other people in the room to sort of like talk about this. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I love Gemma. The reason why we know each other was because I was a big Mary Drag Queen 
So I love the fact you're sat there like, I don't know where she gets it. She's you! She is just doing what you did 20 years ago in East London when you were young and interesting. Okay, love you, bye. (laughs) Hi, Scotty and the team. It's a long-time listener, first-time caller here. I'm just like reaching out because there's something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, I've got a wonderful, wonderful dear friend that is in the process of buying a house and I kind of have been in touch with her as she's been looking around houses and one of the houses that she looked around it had a kitchen and a living room downstairs and there was no dining table and she was absolutely mortified that this house had kids in it and there was no dining table and I I was just I was really confused because I mean obviously I come from Liverpool and I have grown up we've been on the breadline we've not had much money and I've worked really hard to kind of come out of that but as a kid and even now my mum and dad don't have a dining table we are tea on the couch um and now my family we've got a dining table but we mostly eat our tea on the couch watching tv and it, it just blew my mind that she's not experienced that and you know obviously we've had different upbringings and I just found it interesting. Um, I don't know if anyone else has had sort of similar upbringing where you don't have a dining table, but it never really bothered me in my house. But my my wonderful friend was really bothered by the lack of dining table. And when I sort of confessed that we sometimes use it, but don't use it that often, I don't know. I don't think she judged me, but I think she was just really shocked and Part of me is thinking, am I some sort of oaf that we don't eat our meals on the table? Let me know what you think. Bye. Oh, hello, LTLFTC. We need a theme tune for that. Maya, make us a theme tune for that, please. Thank you. Now, I'm tempted to call you a scout oaf. (laughs) And that comes from, you know, me. So that's how I praise, really. It's not an insult. Now, no dining table. I was just talking about this the other day with a friend because it's that moment. I don't know if you had a moment when you realised that people eat at a dinner table. The table that we had in the kitchen, I think, was only ever reserved for cutting Colin the Caterpillar birthday cakes, the OG. Shout out to Colin. Or where my mum and her friend would sit and they'd have a gossip about who else. Do you know what I mean? So not to interfere with my dad watching the telly. It was just sort of the breakout from the living room. (laughs) The overspill of the living room. But I remember the first time I was about 15 and I'd met someone at a drama workshop. And um, she said, do you want some tea? Well, she said supper because, you know, they they talk different. And um, we went into this room for eating. It was called a dining room. Well, I almost fell over. These people have got a room. Res- a room? A whole room in your house dedicated to chewing? Honestly, I almost fell over. And then when I saw that there were 25 forks on the table, I was like, well, where the fuck do you start with this? It's a clear difference. I love watching the telly whilst having my tea. I know people are like, oh, you shouldn't do that digestion, eating habits, all that shit. When people say to me, do you want to eat at the table? I think, why would I want to eat uncomfortably? 
Why wouldn't I not want to watch telly whilst eating? Can you imagine just sitting there in silence, eating? What do you talk about with each other? Families don't like each other. Why pretend? I'm on your team on this, Gas. I've, I really am. There is a sadness, though, within this, because I think in moments like this, we realise, they are, well, for me, there were the moments where I realised the actuality of what I grew up around, the things that I had or hadn't. I think that's always a bit sad, where you, like, a light bulb goes off and you go, oh, because up until that moment, your life is normal. As you say here, you know, you just sat there having tea off your lap, it's just normal until somebody tells you otherwise. And a part of your world sort of goes, um, isn't it? Anyway, maybe you eat at a table. Maybe you're a, a middle class person who's happy. It's <laughs> lies, none of them are. Maybe you eat your tea at the table. You know what to do? Join in the chat. Hello to everyone at After the Tone. Hello, Scotty. Hello, Deb. Hello, Tim, Meyer, and Kat. Hope you're all doing well. It's a spooky scouser again here. Just wanted to bring up a thing that really annoyed me this week, and it's not the fault of the people who I contacted. So as we all know, well, if you've listened to the show before and you've heard my calls, I'm diabetic and I only got diagnosed in October. And I'm struggling with it a bit because I used to be bulimic, basically. And it's bringing all those kind of eating disorder thoughts back and some behaviours as well. I haven't, um, sorry if this is too much information, I haven't purged, but I've binged. So if I try and restrict, like, you know, tell myself, you can't have that chocolate bar because <laughs> you're diabetic. Whoa. I'll end up binging on more chocolate later in the day, which is just stupid and just counterproductive. So I re- I reached out to um, a health at every size nutritionist and oh my God, I wish that was more accessible because guess what the quote was? The quote was between 95 and £120 a session. <laughs> I cannot afford that. I'm not on a low, 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 low wage, but I am below the 30 grand mark. And I was just like, I just wanted to laugh. I was like, I can't afford that. And it's something that would really help me. But I can't go for a dietitian or nutritionist on the NHS. Because as we all know, as all us fatties know, they just want you to lose weight. And they'll ju- and if you're diabetic, you'll know that they will just tell you, oh, you just eat a bit of everything. But cut down on the sweets. And that's not my point. My point is, I don't even eat that many sweets, really. But if I restrict, I'll end up binging on them. So that's not going to hurt me. Oh, hello, friend. Oh, I'm sorry that you're going through it. And yet again, finding more fucking barriers in this world. It's so annoying, isn't it? So look, you know, as we've always said, like, this is a space in which we can share. I can't sit here and be like, here are all these resources, because you know what to do yourself. You can look out for them. There's nothing that I'm going to tell you or anybody else that you haven't found or thought about yourself. But the feelings that that brings up, right, are like, it's that sound, isn't it? Like, oh, for fuck's sake. If it's any consolation, I have a massive problem with health at every size bullshit because this idea of health as a capital, I think is 
Well, what do I think? I think it's complex because I want people to live the lives that they want to live, actually. And there is a health elitism that is often placed upon fat bodies. This idea of a good fat person is one that is healthy, who is the right sort of fat. And a bad fat person is the unhealthy fat person. I was approached this week to be in a documentary about fat people who are healthy. And I was just having this quandary with myself about like, it then sets up these expectations for people that are largely very ableist. I mean, this this is the thing, as fat folk, as folk that are living in bodies that are quote-unquote, you know, not acceptable, that in need of change. Um, the resources available to us when we present with eating disorder, etc., are very few and far between because the way in which eating disorder or disordered eating and or relationships with food are taught about within our cultures, within our society, within our health systems is largely around restrictive eating. And as a person who has got a restrictive eating disorder, like, I just can't do that. Because actually, that is the eating disorder. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's a fucked one. It's a real fucked one that I'm just saying, or sort of saying to you, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's the best I can fucking do. Because I tell you what, it's just annoying, isn't it? I hope you're okay, hon. You'll pull through. They'll find other ways. But until then, we're all here. We're all ready to listen. And um, thank you for bringing this to the table. Hello, everyone. Hi, Scotty. Hi, Debbie, Maya, Cat, Tim. It's your friendly, they, them, non-binary NB from Australia. Just calling to say hi. Really enjoying the new season. And to answer your question about what creative things we may have picked up in the last two, three years. I have done some sort of art for on and off for since I was a kid. And in my adult years, it's been very hard to stick with it. For, well, what I found out in the last few months, mental health reasons and all the trauma and lovely bullshit I've been through for most of my 45 years. And I've managed to work through enough of that in the last few months to actually start up doing a regular art practice. And I don't use the word joy or enjoy lightly, but I am enjoying it and it, it is bringing me joy. It's something I can do when everything feels like shit, even if it's only five minutes. And, um, just painting, making marks. It's not necessarily anything in particular, but just doing something is really, really good. I may or may not put it out there for the world yet. I'm not sure. It's good to get out the all the paints and pencils and all of that again. And I just thought I'd pop in and tell you that and say hi. And now I have no idea what to say. Okay. Bye from down under. Friend, lovely to have you back in the room. Thank you so much for joining us uh, in Australasia. Whereabouts? I'm always, do you know, you know me. I'm so nosy. I know this, but I think one of the things that I love about this is that when people call in, because even if they just call in from the UK, they're calling from all these different parts. That I, I would love it if we were able to, of course, you know 
there are thousands of people listening to this. You don't want to say, well, I live on this street. That's not what I'm asking. But if people want to start saying, this is the area I live in, as in like, you know, I live in this town or I live in this city, it would just be so beautiful to be able to start mapping this. Um, yeah, I totally know what you mean. There is this relationship that sort of is counterproductive and productive at the same time for me with the mentors and the art, where sometimes when I'm going through the crazies, I couldn't think of anything least that I want to do, which is artistic. I'd just be like, I'd, I've got no ideas. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit here. I just want to like watch Inventing Anna, which is the worst television program of all time. Honestly, it's so bad, but it's so compelling. Are you watching it? Tell me, call up and tell me what you're watching because I am so obsessed with how awful it is, but how compelled I am. Anyway, there's this, I want to sit there and I don't want to do the work. But then the moment that I allow myself to do the work, the sort of massage that it gives to the crazies, which is just annoying, right? It's like they have this sort of like, productive and counterproductive relationship with each other so all power for you for like picking up pen pencil pen and just giving it a go whenever I'm teaching I always say make something and don't worry about who's going to see it and what they're going to think no one needs to see it you have the choice of whether you share it or not which brings me on to my final point which is I think we should do an ATT art club like I am really up for you sliding into the DMs I not but too minutes ago I was saying to Kat wasn't I Kat I was saying let those people send me loads of Instagram pictures because I love them I think what we should do is let's open up the airwaves you know you can send your pictures of your arts and crafts and what you're doing um and you know I will do some audio description we'll have a little ATT art section I'm just putting it out there if that's what you want everybody I think it'd be quite a nice thing to do hey up my name's Johnny Redpants um I'm a first time caller a very long time listener I actually left you a review, which you read out about 28 lockdowns ago, and I was on my walk one morning, and when I heard you say my name, I felt a little bit like Muriel, when she, you know Muriel's wedding, uh, when she gets married and she walks um, up the aisle, and she's smiling that hard, she's almost gurning. Uh, That was me on the streets of Bushy as I was walking around. Um, So yeah, I I, I love the space, I think it's fantastic, and it's a a podcast-like no other and my thursdays are certainly lighter and brighter for you guys so thank you to everyone to you scotty and producer debbie and the team but also all the listeners and the people who who call in it feels like you know my mates i have uh, recently just qualified as a therapist so i wanted to um, offer some feedback to the person who called and said you know how do you break up like you said yourself, Scotty, it's not the first time at the rodeo, and there are a lot of um, there's a lot of training that goes into managing endings. I think it, the the caller resonated with me a little bit because it reminded me of me a little bit. I have got a really difficult relationship with endings for one reason or another. I I lost both my parents at a relatively young age, and never got to see them in their last moments like my siblings did. And I've had three long-term relationships which all ended quite disastrously and the, the endings, again, were really quite problematic. So when I was coming to the end of my therapy just before my course was ending, I didn't quite know how to manage that ending and partly thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ghost her. I've got my 30 hours. She signed it off and then and that'll be it. Um, you know, I was a bit like, I'm the customer. <laughs> I'm therefore right. 
but what I actually did was I actually addressed this with her in one of the final um, sessions and actually said, I really don't know how to handle this. It's, it's really strange for me uh, because I would tend to, like I say, walk away from something rather than acknowledge and, and work through the ending. And the fact that I did that was, it was actually end up being quite a beautiful experience, which sounds really dramatic, doesn't it? Oh, well, I, I would invite the person to actually maybe, if she, if she has got another session to go, to bring it up and to work through the ending together. For me, what it did, it gave me a different relational template to endings um, other than the one that I've previously had, which I don't think has been that healthy, really. But um, you do what you need to do, don't you? Anyway, I'm going to stop blathering on now. Thanks for everything. Love you. Bye. Oh, lovely. Oh, hello. First time call a very long time listener. F-T-C-V-L-T-L. Yeah, I think I got that right. Oh, it's one day it will just roll off the tongue. But until then, hello, Johnny Redpants. <laughs> what an excellent name. What a brilliant name. Well done, 10 points to you. You can have a badge. There's such truth in this message, such vulnerability, such openness. Again, just, oh God, you guys, you're all so great. Um, And it just really hammers home that thing that I said the other week, which just basically, I'm just proving myself to be right, that therapists are just people as well, aren't they? It's so annoying. It's like that moment where you realise that your parents aren't superheroes and you're like, sorry, what do you mean you are equally damaged by the world? Sorry? No, you're supposed to know all the answers. It's the same thing with therapists, isn't it? You're like, no, no, you're here to tell me how to get better. You're here to cure my silly little brain. But they don't, no, 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 no. They're just equally as mental as us. (laughs) Which I take solace in, but also I'm quite annoyed by. (laughs) So... I really appreciate you offering that to the other caller, that person who was trying to think about ways of ending their relationship with their therapist. It's a tricky one, isn't it? But look, we've got it from the horse's mouth or one of the horse's mouths. Do you know what I mean? Ask me, okay, Google going off. Shut up. No one's asking. They're always listening. They're always listening like a therapist. (laughs) See, full circle, linked it back. And that's all we've got time for this week. Wow, big conversations are really emerging this week. Uh, The conversations are getting more complicated because we're halfway through season six, which is very, very exciting. And we are talking about class masculinity, how to keep the art going when the mentors are pulling you back, uh, endings of relationships, looking out for yourself, health at every size, should kids be able to watch Drag Race and um, endings with your therapist. If you want to pick up on any of these threads, any of these conversations, if this has stirred something, a response in you, or there's just something that's on the tip of your tongue, listen, come and join in. We're halfway through the party, so you might as well join in now or forever hold your peace lilies. Uh, (laughs) You know what to do. Open up the WhatsApp and send us a voice note to this number. 0788-200-3420 George, great. All right. Well, that's me. I'll tell you what I'm going to do after this week's episode. I'm going to listen to one of my favourite songs in the world. It's called Stand on the Word, a studio version by the Jubert Singers. And I really invite you to do that too. It's really joyous. 
It's really uplifting and it's sung by a choir, which I often get that feel from here. I feel like we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. So put that through your ears after this because, you know, we've done some big chats today. See you next week. After the Tone is hosted by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Kilbride, vice producer Tim Bano, assistant producer Maya Miller-Lewis, digital producer Kat Prill. After the Tone is a Debbie's production production. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.